sponsor Judge Torres, running January 10th to 19th at the Milagro Theater in Portland. Judge Torres is a modern-day fairy tale rooted in Salvadoran folklore. Xiomara Torres faces many obstacles in her turbulent journey crossing the border, maneuvering the U.S. foster care system, missing her family, aging out, and becoming the most recent Latinx judge in Multnomah County, Oregon. This is her story. Again, that's Judge Torres, running January 10th through 19th weekly on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Milagro Theater, 525 Southeast Stark Street in Portland. More information is available at kboo.fm on the right-hand side of the homepage under Community Events. This is KBOO Portland. KBOO programming is made possible by KBOO listener members and support from Gazelle Consulting, providing HIPAA compliance and IT security services to businesses throughout Portland and across the West Coast, including HIPAA consulting, software and risk assessments, and trainings. More information is available online at gazelleconsulting.org. Teachers go on strike in Los Angeles and threaten to in Oakland and other parts of the country. We'll ask a longtime teacher and union organizer why. Also, we'll rebroadcast a recent interview with Emmy Award winning filmmaker John Pilger on the state of corporate journalism and also on the persecution of journalist publisher Julian Assange. I'm Dennis Bernstein. All this straight ahead on Flashpoints. Stay tuned. In Berkeley, I'm Dennis Bernstein. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Well, I'm sure you've heard by now that the teachers in Los Angeles are on strike and the entire country is watching. Teachers all over America are fighting for their rights and fighting for the rights of their children as well. And uh, joining us to talk about this is somebody who is a uh, spent many years, over 20 years, teaching. He was an organizer with the AFT in Hayward. He was the vice president of the uh, Education Association. And, uh, well, Jeff Mackler is a friend of this program and, again, a longtime educational activist. Uh, Jeff, welcome back to Flashpoints. Good to have you with us. And same here, Dennis. Well, let's start with an overview of what's at stake here? What are the teachers fighting for at this point? But I know they're fighting against being corporatized and, and having their public schools taken over by uh, private companies, but give us your overview on that front. Well, the most striking thing about the fact that the United Teachers of Los Angeles, UTLA, are on strike today is that they take their cues from the West Virginia red state uh, strikers. That school district had a six-week strike that won major gains and forced the state legislature to come up with uh, vast improvements. All of the strikes, whether it be West Virginia or Kentucky or Arizona, raise the same question. Why is it, they say, including the teachers in Oakland who are on the verge of a strike in February, they all say, why is it that the exact same amount that state legislatures have cut from public education funding has been allocated to 
corporate tax breaks for the rich. So in West Virginia and now in Los Angeles and Oakland, teachers are seeing their declining school budgets and increased privatization of the schools in the same light as the Republican red states. They want a massive influx of funds for public education. They want an elimination of the funding of private schools. That is, public money goes to corporate-funded ventures that cherry-pick students and basically cut back funding for public education. So among the key demands of the United Teachers of Los Angeles, 30,000 went on strike this morning, is an end to the charterization, privatization of public education. These teachers also want a significant salary increase. They've been getting zero for too long, and they're asking for smaller class size, class size in uh, some school districts, some schools in Los Angeles is up to 39 students. For Pete's sake, that's what it was 50 years ago. And they want to qualitatively improve public education for the kids. In Los Angeles's 1,300 schools, 80% of the youngsters are in low-wage poverty uh, categories, and that is they have uh, they live in a discriminatory society where blacks and Latinos uh, don't can't expect a decent education. The teachers are asking for 6.5% immediately, and the same figure retroactive to last year, and that increase to continue for a two-year contract, if not a three-year contract. The school district is basically saying, we have no money, which they have been saying through the entire process of, of, um, of discovery, fact-finding, and all the other legal requirements that teachers have to go through under the statewide collective bargaining law. And the teachers are basically saying that the school district is coming up with very little. In fact, it was only a few days ago after massive strike votes in favor of the union leadership position to close the schools that the state legis that the school officials uh including the superintendent is a former investment banker whose salary is like $550,000 a year uh said there was no money and suddenly they came up with a couple with 100 billion dollars additional money because the newly elected governor, Gavin Newsom, said he would pump a bit more money into public education. So the norm for school districts is to say we don't have no money, it's not our fault, and uh, you have to take what you can get until teachers threaten to close down the state. But there are some very, very unique things with regard to Oakland and Los Angeles. It's the first time, for example, that the California Teachers Association, the largest CTA, the largest teachers association, has basically said, we're not going to let these Los Angeles and Oakland teachers hang out by themselves. They've called for a program where teachers in school districts across the state are going to express their red for ed solidarity by walking into the schools with red shirts in non-struck school districts, if not taking off a day in solidarity. This is the first time, in my knowledge, to my knowledge, that 
California teachers are beginning to act like West Virginia teachers. That is, they're working together and beginning the process at the early stages of coordinating their efforts rather than one school district at a time getting picked off by the lack of funds of the state legislature. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacific Radio. We're speaking with Jeff Amakla, longtime teacher, longtime organizer uh, with various teachers unions and has been uh, writing about this uh, of late. And it is coming to a head. Uh, let me ask you to reflect on this, Jeff. Uh, we've seen now the uh, current president take on Betsy DeVos, who never saw a public school she would support. Uh, she is a real privatizer. Uh, where, what is the state of privatization um, in terms of nationwide? And where we, there's a new governor in California. Where does he come off on this one? Well, I'll tell you, the privatization movement, although technically people say it has slowed, is continuing in the major school districts across the country. In fact, it got so bad that just recently, Chicago teachers went on strike demanding an end to privatization of schools, and the non-union privatized charter school teachers went on strike as well in, and put themselves under the contract provisions of the Chicago um, Teachers Union. It's the same thing in Los Angeles. Teachers see the process as very simple. They close one school after another. In Oakland, the school district is threatening to close 29 schools or 26 and privatize a number of them. That is, make them profitable for a corporate for the corporate few, as against the needs of teachers and students and guidance counselors and music teachers and all the other staff that are systematically cut. All the school districts have the same song, and that is, there's no money, there's nothing we can do, you're living in a poor school district. Well, that's true, but let's give you some figures on this. The per-pupil expenditure in California schools is $11,000 a year. It's double that in New York State. California is the richest nation on earth if it were to be ranked that way, and yet with regard to public education and class size, the um, school ranks 48th in California. It has the third highest cost of living and f uh, 49th in the cost of housing availability, and yet California schools receive funds at the bottom 43 number out of 50 states. So here you have a rich state with wealth going to the 1%, while the quality of public education, the class size, the achievement levels of students is gone down to the bottom. A giant contradiction, and that has angered California teachers to the point where the second largest school district in the country with 30,000 teachers and 700,000 young people are on strike today. And no one knows how long this strike can be and whether or not the strike will be followed in by solidarity actions. And I mean solidarity actions. On Saturday, the Oakland teachers had five, 600 people out at Oscar Grant Praza, which is Civic Center, but there were teacher solidarity booths from Richmond and Berkeley and Hayward Educators Association and San Jose teachers. That is the fact that teachers are coming together physically in support of Oakland teachers and simultaneously 
Los Angeles teachers is a sign of the times that something is brewing in the teacher union movement and in the fight for quality public education and in the fight against privatizing schools through charters. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Well, you know, there's always been a problem in terms of the way public, so-called public schools are funded. Now, I know you, you and I both spent some time teaching in New York City. It used to amaze me when I started as a substitute, so I was going all over the city, uh, and I would go to a school at, say, 86th Street and Park Avenue, that's a rich section, in case you didn't realize it, of New York City. And you'd walk into the school, and there'd be guidance counselors and the latest gym equipment, and uh, the library stacked with books, and they actually had a librarian. You go up 25 blocks to Spanish, what was then called Spanish Harlem, uh, and the Dewey Decimal System was a spaceship. Uh, there was no librarian, and the gym was like the, the teacher hand threw a basketball out to uh, the kids or threw out a couple of jump ropes and that was Jim. The inequality, uh, uh, Jonathan Kozel wrote about this in Savage Inequalities, is is a killer, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I was a New York City school teacher as well. And I'll tell you, it was not too different then and it was not, it's not too different today. When I taught in New York City in the late 60s, a majority, 53% of the one and a half million kids graduated after 12 years of school functionally illiterate. That figure, 50 years later, has not fundamentally changed. Even though they pump huge amounts of money into special schools, the level of poverty and oppression and deprivation is such that a lot of the kids don't even go to school. They don't have food to eat. I taught in the South Bronx, where the conditions, it was rated the worst school in New York City of 900 schools at that time. Kids didn't have the money to go to school. They didn't have the clothing to go to school. They didn't have the money to buy a book cover. So even though class size was supposed to be 32, I often had 12 kids. I got up in the front of the classroom, and I proudly, as a new teacher, started writing notes on the board while my vice principal was evaluating me, and he said, Jeff, that was a brilliant lecture, but did you notice none of the kids in the class took any notes because they're functionally illiterate, they cannot write, they cannot read? That's not too different than what we face in Los Angeles. The overview, yes, is massive underfunding for public education. But the overview is also that kids grow up in abject, abject poverty, in deprivation, in a racist society that doesn't care whether they succeed or not, where functional illiteracy is the norm. That's why California schools are literally at the bottom. You have billionaires in a state with the highest uh, you know, percentage of the 1% prospering like never before, agribusiness is king, the insurance companies, the pharmacy companies, and public education is going downhill. And it has been that way for decades upon decades. There's something fundamentally structurally wrong with society. And teachers are beginning to understand that. And they understand they can't do it by themselves. They have to work together. And they take the lesson from some of the poorest states like West Virginia. They're beginning to strike, and strike statewide. That's the prospect that we're looking to in California. 
when teachers say we are not going to let you privatize for public for private profit our school system we're going to fight for quality education we're going to fight for jobs for young people the idea that young people who have the unprecedented unemployment rates can get a decent job is almost unknown and california is at the top of the list when it comes to real unemployment of the poor so we're facing a social crisis and these teacher strikes the one that will likely be upcoming in oakland are symptomatic of something fundamentally wrong in society people know that their future is dim with regard to the public education system and teachers know that they can't win by themselves they have to be champions of public education of quality teachers of more teachers than ever, of reduced class size, and fighting for jobs and the well-being of working people overall in every school district in the state. That unity will bring us shocking changes, and that's what I think is on the agenda with the Los Angeles teacher strike today and with the Oakland teachers. Oakland teachers, you should know, 